Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. He's my co-host, Vic Mattis of the uh, Washington Free Beacon. We're your morning show for any hour. We've got a lot going on, as usual, with uh, Israel updates and the ongoing Speaker of the House ridiculousness and a story about jeans. We're going to get into that. We have fashion advice for you guys. But before that, how's it going, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I am on the mend. So the other day, uh, I was helping Kate with a light bulb problem. Uh, it turned out to be the different kind of, you know, it's one of these fan light things. So you have to remove the the the, the, the covering, you yeah. know, of so the, you're of holding the, the ladder for her. Oh, she... Well, it's a step ladder. <laughs> How many Madisons does it take to change a light bulb? And <laughs> and she was getting frustrated with it. And in fact, the bulb snapped off with the thing still inside. So that was a problem. But then you just said, well, let's have the other one work because I'm pretty sure it still works. So I, I got the other one to work. That was fine. But I, 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 this is in my son's bedroom. And I just decided, oh, I'm just going to leap off the, the stepladder and then, you know, and then push myself against the bed. But I was, I didn't pay attention to underneath is, uh, you know, it's like one of these beds on top of, you know, drawers and stuff. So it's wood. And oh, no. My, so I, you know, it sticks out and my knee slammed right into the wooden corner of, of this, the bed frame thing, you know, the, the, what would be the, the box spring, but it's right. That really hurt. And I hit my knee. I mean, I bang my knee on my desk here at the office from time to time. And it's a total pain in the kneecap. This was the side of the knee and it really hurt for the whole night. And so I took in a leave and it, not so much swelling, but it was warm. And so I put like a cold compress on it and it's better now, I, but it's still just a little bit. And I just, all I can think of is I hope it's not like some sort of a, a chip fracture, but rather just, I really hurt the tendon. And I was reminded Mary Catherine of your elbow because yeah. uh, a listener to the show, Matt's mule says that you might have gotten a bone chip in there stuck in the tendon. This is a lovely way to start the show. How is your so, so my question is how is your elbow? My my elbow's pretty fine. I oh, okay. I will say, look, I think I think there comes an age when just hopping off a step stool is not a thing you can do. Right? <laughs> like and certainly Biden is at, at that at that age, yeah. but we might consider that we are also at that age. That yeah, they yeah. the chances for injury go up oh, quite a God. bit post forty. I my my elbow is feeling okay, but it occurred to me. When our listener very kindly emailed that, and he said that he ha he had this happen to him, there was a bone splinter. He had a very minor surgery, and it fixed the problem, which makes sense because it's a very sharp pain when I put it at the wrong angle. It occurred to me I've heard this before because I've had elbow pain before in oh. this elbow. Oh, since I was in fifth grade, um. <laughs> when Channing Day, who I was doing playing pickup basketball with, mm -hmm. I I I think I was like fouled pretty hard and yeah, i fell down fight. on the floor and channing day came down on my elbow oh and since that time i have periodically had this problem and then i think i exacerbated with it with this with this new injury and it hadn't occurred to me that that channing day old injury might have been flared up again during this so maybe i had flared it up maybe i've just had this issue since yes since 1990 it, it's well it's like you know people with hairline fractures they don't realize it and then something more serious happens you know but as long as it goes away i guess it's okay i feel like i'm okay for now i will keep you guys updated i'm also okay for now because i'm in a very nice hotel room i see but... that i said i knew immediately i said wow that's a lovely guest room of your friend's house <laughs> and, and and jennifer and i both suspected this was based on the headboard yeah so i have decided by the way that the sign of a really good hotel room is how hard the coffee maker is to find because they don't well, just leave that thing sitting out in a nice hotel room. Okay. Yeah, oh, in that's a, a good point. In a motel, you have a coffee pot like next to your alarm clock. Yes. yes. <laughs> right. So you yeah. just turn over and it's right yeah. there in front of yeah. you with all the fixins. Yeah. You know, but not you. And it's not usually great coffee either. No, but they can't have that. It's, this is not a Hampton not Inn, a, friends. Not a, yes. No, not at your hotel. So this morning before we started the, the podcast, I searched for a good 12 minutes for the, the coffee pot. And it's not because this room is gigantic. It's nice, but it's a normal sized hotel room. But there are two sort of fancy quartzified 
cabinet looking things on either side of the room. Mm-hmm. One of which doesn't open. It's like it's like the AC yes. situation, but it's all, yeah. you know, camouflaged yeah, uh, in a beautiful way. To make way. it look tasteful. It's all camouflaged in a beautiful way. So I thought, it's not there. I checked the closet. I checked the bathroom. Sometimes it's in the bathroom in a little closet. I try to enter the adjoining room by accident. If anyone's staying over there, I'm sorry. That, that one didn't open. And then finally, I realized that there's another quartzified cabinet closet looking thing on the other side of the room does open and it has a tiny tiny little handle that is the same color as the entire cabinet and i finally found the coffee behind it was kept in there like in a little cupboard yeah and that's and it's an espresso in there it's not joking around but that's Uh, how you know that you're in a nice place because even the espresso they're not going to have all out in the open for you no no it's not like my house where it's not part of the decor every appliance is out there on the on the the counter but i I don't think I've ever made coffee in the room. I would go down to get coffee. A friend of mine used to work at the FBI for many years, and he said, don't use the coffee machine in in the room. They use it for meth. But I think that would be the motel, not at where you're staying. I don't I don't think it's this place. No, uh, no, no, unless it's the but, blue meth. But, but yeah. I generally go downstairs, but this is a large hotel, and it's a yeah. hike down to yeah, where you would ask someone where the... Yes. Coffee you, have, you know where you are, Mary Kathy. You might have like a butler service. You can just. I mean, honestly, just, I, I might. I am. Awesome. I'm giving a speech, and they they put me up in a very nice place, and I got to see a West Coast oh. sunset oh last night. And I have not yet walked on the beach, but I will because we are right next to it. You have so, to. So I will. I will get on that. But yeah, now I I did get the coffee. Everything's good. <laughs> I am underprepared, but possibly medium caffeinated. So okay, good. Here we are. Shall we talk about the news, Vic? Well, let's do it. All right. We got the Trump gag order. We have not talked about this yet. And I and no. I like I felt remiss, but there was yeah. so much going on. Let me read from the Washington Post. The Trump gag or- order happened, what, like a week and a half ago or so? The first one, yeah. The first one. It has since been appealed by his camp. And the 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 judge has said, yeah, sure, well, let's put a stay on it. Judge Tanya Shutkin, is that how you yeah. say her name? Mm-hmm. Agreed to temporarily lift the gag order that had restricted Trump's public statements about special counsel Jack Smith, his team, and witnesses while she considered a motion from Trump's lawyers to suspend it entirely while they appeal. Within 48 hours, Trump issued a new broadside attacking the prosecutor, Trump's first since the gag had been imposed. On Sunday, he took to his social network Truth Social to attack Smith in the exact terms that the order had prohibited calling him deranged Jack Smith. Uh, the sequence illustrated the careful dance Trump has engaged. Careful dance Trump engaged in? I don't know about that, Washington Post. <laughs> Since Shukin issued her order, he had refrained from immediately and flagrantly violating the gag order while it was in place, even as he railed against it and continued attacking judges and making a host of other comments that, while not technical violations, most defense attorneys would advise against. I mean, he's not listening to his attorneys, clearly. You know, he was mad about the tr- gag order, obviously. Uh, it did have certain limitations. I believe he was still allowed to... He was was he still allowed to attack the judge, just not witnesses? That, yes, that that's right. And I they asked whether or not he can say Department of Injustice, <laughs> and that was questionable. It's funny that they say the careful dance because it's more like Elaine's dance in Seinfeld. Yeah, a little bit all over the place. Is <laughs> his dance? Yeah, that 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 that's the dance. He finds himself in a real pickle because, of course, in the spur of the moment on the campaign trail, he cannot help himself. He he cannot. He can't restrain himself. So I think the, the lawyer's argument is going to be what they, they would consider consider unconstitutional prior restraint, right? We're right. going to prevent him from saying something. But as you mentioned, you know, if it's having to be, if it involves officers of the court and such, that's a different story. It's kind of like the weird, you know, it's kind of like the mafia rule. You don't go after the civilians, the judges and the lawyers and the right, cops. Right. You're not supposed to. And same thing for, I guess, if you're, you are Trump. So that's, but again, there are two different ones. There's the Judge Chutkin, the gag order, but then there's the Judge Angeron gag order. And that one, he just got slapped with a fine, I believe, okay. $5,000 because he had, he claimed, or he he just said that the court clerk was Chuck Schumer's girlfriend. And I don't, I don't think she actually knows Judge Schumer. Chuck Schumer, I could be wrong. Uh. Um, and, and so they said, oh, wait, hold on. And, the, you know, and I don't envy the lawyers because you might they might not even get paid. But Trump's lawyers said, hold on, you know, we'll take it down, which they did. It's not Twitter. It's a truth social. But they left it on 
the campaign website for 17 days. And and they said that was a slip up. That was completely inadvertent. Nevertheless, 5,000. But Angron, Judge Angron says, you know, you keep it up and I'll consider all options uh, on the table, including uh, imprisonment. That would be wild. So I'm a little torn about this because the certainly Trump shoots himself in the foot at every turn by going after court officials, people who are not really the stars of these cases. However, if the government is going to take the tack of unprecedentedly prosecuting a running likely nominee for the presidency and former president, it seems like they should take a real light touch with whether he can defend himself in public. Now, I would argue a gag order might do him good legally, right? Because he's not listening to his lawyers. Maybe he would listen if it's 5,000 bucks a pop every time he endangers himself by saying something stupid in public. But I think he has a right to talk about this. Right. And I think that the government should tread lightly. (laughs) I know, a ridiculous thing to think they might do. uh, Instead of sort of gleefully shutting him up when, again, they're taking an unprecedented step in all of these cases, in prosecuting this guy while he's running for president, that inherently has dangers to our whole system. Yeah. And if it were me, I'd be like, continue talking, sir. Continue talking. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I mean, like it's I think about how Trump got banned from Facebook and Twitter. And in weird ways, it was like the best thing that ever happened because then people yeah. uh, for him, the best thing that ever happened not for this country, but for him, because people tend to forget all the outrageous and offensive things that he has said. And they're like, oh, and then, you know, you're you're currently, you know, experiencing, you know, the Biden administration and all of its problems. You're like, wait, what happened to that other guy when things were fine and everything was safe and the economy yeah. was good? And then likewise with the gag order, it would probably do him good. It's not going to prevent him, obviously, from turning this into another fundraising opportunity. And in fact, right after that gag order, I get the email, right? Because they brought, they, they just blast out these emails from the Trump campaign. And it's and it says, and I have it right here in quotes, the Biden administration can try and gag me, but they can never gag the American people. <laughs> there that, you go. Yeah, that's, that's pretty that's pretty good. That's like I could have written that. They should pay me. But yeah, it's you know, he wants to continue to, you know, let people know that the fix is in and it and it works everybody up. And I don't know if he almost I wonder if he kind of wants them to say, you know, I dare you to put me in jail just to see what would happen, you know. Yeah. Because even if it's just temporarily, there, uh, there'd be there'd probably be riots, but we'll see. But I, I I'm with you on this because it, you get into a very dangerous territory, and it's yes. not like other politicians have not gone after you know judges, certainly on the Supreme Court or wherever, complaining about them. So it, it, again, it's you know as Chutkin wants to do, it's a a, a case by case basis. Right. Well, and keeping it as limited as possible, I think, is important. Like, I don't want the people who are aligned with the court, who are stenographers and what have you, or the people who are witnesses to be subject to his followers coming after them, which is one of the things they're concerned about. But again, that is part of the price of free exchange of ideas. And I worry about this person being shut up when he is being prosecuted and he's running for president. I just think that's a problem. Although, like I said, he often shoots himself in the foot. And because I just enjoy reading a truth social every now and then, shall, oh. we, shall I tell you about the one he had on Mark Meadows this week? That's his oh, former boy. chief of staff. Yes. Who is a, a witness in the January 6th related stuff. Yeah. This is posted recently. I don't think Mark Meadows would lie about the rigged and Stalin, S-T-O-L-L-E-N, 2020 presidential election merely for getting all caps immunity against prosec- prosecution, all caps persecution by deranged prosecutor Jack Smith. But... When you really think about it, after being hounded like a dog for three years, told you'll be going to jail for the rest of your life, your money and your family will be forever gone, and we're not at all interested in exposing those that did the all-caps rigging, if you did, if you say all-caps bad things about that terrible all-caps monster Donald J. Trump, we won't put you in prison. You can keep your family and your wealth, and perhaps if you can make up some really horrible all-caps stuff about him, we may very well erect a statue of you in the middle of our decaying and now very violent capital. You know how sometimes presidents will say something and you 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 think to yourself, well, that speechwriter did a really good job at putting that together. 
there's no question in my mind this was not a speechwriter. This is the president. Himself. That is the president. But but what did he say? I think he said this to Bill Barr, according to Barr's memoirs, with with, with regard to the tweets. You just got to make you 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 craft a normal tweet and then you make it just a little bit crazy, and that's what he's doing. <laughs> that's I will how say you this, get the engagement. How I I talked about and and a listener agreed uh, with me in my interpretation yesterday about Corinne Jean Pierre. And her ridiculous answer to anti-Semitism was talking about Islamophobia. I will now take, in, in defense of Trump, a part of this. Are you ready for this one? Yeah. Stolen. You said it was S-T-O-L-L-E-N? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because, well, as you know, Trump is of German okay. her- heritage. And it's almost Christmas time. And I think he's thinking of the stolen bread, ah. which is that brown, spiced, cinnamon oh. bread with the white powder, the powder on top, the stolen. My That's father. What he's my father makes a stolen every year oh, yeah look at that when he was the when he was the editor of the paper he used to make one and take it into the office oh every year. man that is, is a great it's a really really with... beautiful baked good i yeah. i am not into sweets in general so it's not my thing but it's gorgeous sure. Same. Uh, yeah and it's not too sweet i feel it's more of a spice thing going on and it's yeah. great with coffee in the afternoon now i'm dying over here okay i'm well, sure that that is what trump was Referring That's to what you think of the stolen. It was in his mind. He was hungry. He was hungry for the stolen. <laughs> it is almost the holiday season. So, yeah. gosh, it's really sneaking up on us. Okay, I do want to talk. Since we're on Trump, let's do a little bit of his his jumping into the, the speaker yeah. nonsense. Hello, everyone. Well, the thing happened that always happens, which is this is like an anti-breaking news podcast. We had to record a little early. And then, of course, as soon as we were done... Representative Mike Johnson of Louisiana was elected Speaker of the House. How did this happen, you might ask? Well, the Republican caucus seemed quite happy about this choice the night before it happened, the night before we recorded, and shortly before they voted. They had smiles on their faces. We hadn't seen them that happy for a while. And I think this is like, they were kind of losing it because it had been a long time and everyone was tired and they decided, Maybe we should just vote for a guy whose superpower is that five to eight people don't hate his guts. And that person is Representative Mike Johnson. And, you know, a lot of people didn't know much about him. They started learning things about him. Pretty conservative guy. Definitely had his hand in legal efforts to overturn the 2020 election, just what some people are paying attention to. Some Democrats are seemingly gleeful that they may be able to do it to pin his extremism on Republican candidates, but I think that's unlikely as speakers becoming toxic to normal voters is difficult because they don't care who speakers are. And given that most people in Washington did not know who Mike Johnson was, unlike, say, a Nancy Pelosi, who is a household name and has been made one effectively by herself and Republican operatives over the years, since we didn't know really who he was, I think making him stick is going to be difficult. Now, one of the things I thought that he brought to the table, in addition to the superpower of not having five to eight people who hate his guts, was that he released a letter to colleagues that had a plan for what they might do with the rest of the legislative calendar through this year and into the next. And look, it's ambitious, but he wants to get these bills moving. He wants to get back to more regular order, and he offered goals for doing that. That's a little something called a plan, and I think it would be helpful if Mike Johnson explained that concept to Matt Gates, who nonetheless is backing him as everyone in the Republican caucus did. But, you know, a plan is a step up. So here we are. We march forward. Who knows if Vix and my comments from the other day are still applicable, but our editors will make wise decisions about that. This is the update. We will learn more about Mike Johnson as we move forward and whether he can have a governing coalition. Good luck. All right. What else we got? We're going to do some Israel. Israel, yeah, update. sure. Again, we're still we're still awaiting ground incursion because right. Hamas is trickling yes. hostages while leaving members of the same families within within their detained, shall shall we say? Yeah, Held detained is there. what some of them some of the papers use that term. Yes. So Israel's hand has stayed a bit here. This makes me worried because I just think if this show doesn't get on the road, then their capacity is going to be limited and the pressure is going to be so great on them. Now, yeah. do Israelis care about that? I'm not sure that they do because at this point, they 
they feel very much that they are facing an existential threat in a new way and even an elevated way from yeah. where they have been before. And by the way, I should note that while we're having almost exclusively discourse about what Israel's conduct should look like, the rockets have never stopped coming from Gaza. And yeah, they you are don't in, hear much about. They yeah. are indiscriminate. They are designed to hurt civilians. Every single one of them does not fall within international law. And yet we do not hear about that part of the story. So just a reminder that that's going on. But Israelis feel like they are facing, and Jews around the world feel like they are facing this existential threat in a new way. And perhaps that's partly because of the reaction. And I just want to read yeah. a headline from The Guardian today. Israel must stop weaponizing the Holocaust. That's a hell of a thing. Yeah, it's 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 another way of phrasing it. As I always used to say, I mentioned on this show, my my old college buddy Jose. You knew that there's going to be a turn in in the in his opinion when he would start by saying, you know, so and so is nice and all, but and this is the same thing. You know, the you know the Holocaust was terrible and all, mm-hmm. but you need to stop weaponizing it. Can't we move on? Well, because so in the. The, it's, it's the reverse. It's the it's the, the it's the turning of the tables where a lot of anti-Israel people like to claim that the Israelis are Nazis, which is sort of a sick, twisted. Yes, term. it's it's yeah, pretty perverse. So the here's yeah. the paragraph that states what you know. A lot of as we've been talking about this oppressed oppressor ideology from college campuses and among academics uh, is illustrated in this column. Uh, it says a powerful state with powerful allies and a powerful army engaged in a retaliatory attack against stateless Palestinians under Israeli settler colonial rule, military occupation and siege is thus portrayed as powerless Jews in a struggle against Nazis. This historical context in no way justifies or excuses the mass murder of 1500 Israelis on September on October 7th, which constitutes a war crime and crimes against humanity. The context of the Hamas attack on Israelis, however, is completely However, there's the however, yeah. It's completely different from the context of the attack on Jews during the Holocaust, except for it's the same thing driving it, which is I'm pretty sure they just want to kill Jews, which is- Well, and again, you you have this issue- The common thread. There's a common thread. And then you have this issue where power equals evil no matter Mm -hmm. what, and therefore powerless- is virtue oh, right. no matter yeah. what yeah. and therefore the tactics of hamas do not matter and the tactics of israel matter more than anything yeah because they're the ones in power so. and that is just a double standard that again yeah. if you're using it for only the only jewish state in the world perhaps there's a reason mm-hmm. that we're using that standard for the only jewish state in the yeah. world Again, and I mentioned this on the last show, Baraka Ali, who was a Hamas commander, who said on an interview on, on Russian TV that, you know, they've been planning this for years. And what they had to do was just give the illusion that they actually were interested in governing when, in fact, yeah. they were just buying time in order to plan more death and destruction. They're not actually interested in running Gaza. If they were, they would have a better working water system, as you right. know instead of using pipes for, 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 for rocket parts. I am going to give credit where, where credit is due. Ready for this? This is a surprising okay. one. And again, it changes from day to day and hour to hour, but I'm going to give it to him now, which is John Kirby, believe it or not, White House spokesman, the former admiral. He was asked about a ceasefire, and I was rather surprised at the press conference when he says that ceasefire will only benefit Hamas. And he's right about that because time is on their side. The longer they can drag this out, especially if you trickle out, you know, a couple hostages at a time, we have 200 to go through, you know, this will buy us some serious time where we can rearm and rebuild. And he also reminded the press, look, war is bloody, you know, I mean, and he knows that, that this is, and and innocent people will be harmed. Uh, This is unfortunate, but this is war. The idea, this notion that we have that, you know, it's like I remember this girl from college saying, you know, could it in the war, couldn't couldn't you just, you know, shoot at the enemy's hands so they can't, you know, use the guns? No. I kid you not. No, ma'am. It's, if they, you know, and so. Did she, did she pass the foreign service test? Uh, I don't know if she even took it. <laughs> in any event, but there is this belief that, you know, again, can't you just avoid all these, uh, this, this unfortunate collateral damage? And all this is, you know, again, the fault of Hamas here. Because they wouldn't be in this position right. 
if they didn't have the hostages and if they didn't slaughter 1500 with the aim of killing more again they want to kill all of them so but the but the problem for kirby and the problem for biden is they may feel I, i'm glad they feel this way about the ceasefire but um you know the administration is very divided they 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 have allowed this trojan horse into the administration and you see this right. now bureaucrats in the defense department and the state department they're you know these unsigned you know letters you know calling for an end to israeli quote unquote occupation and apartheid there's a pentagon official who on instagram was openly anti-israel and cheering on the protesters in front of the white house the administration that he works for really the the deep state can really come around and bite you in the ass you know yeah. no it's really turned on them yeah. oh back another another media example back on the home front the New York Times is dealing with a it's like a, a stringer who work, works for them on this okay. issue in the area who has been found to have praised Adolf Hitler several times in his tweets. Oh, and people brought this up to The New York Times. And here's here's The Times's answer to that. Remember, by the way, this is The New York Times, which fired, I believe, two editors after. They, oh, after uh, Tom Cotton's after, harmful op-ed. After Tom Cotton wrote an op-ed. So just keep that in mind. Saying while we that maybe this. we need the military to step into end these fiery, but mostly peaceful protests. Yes. yes. Okay. So this is the time. The Times' selection of journalists has come under sharp scrutiny in recent days as well. An Israeli diplomat chastised the paper for employing Suleiman Hiji as a freelance videographer in Gaza to document the conflict. On numerous occasions over the past 11 years, Hiji has praised Adolf Hitler or invoked the Nazi leader in social media postings. A spokesperson for the Times says the paper reviewed those problematic, problematic is in quotes, by the way, <laughs> problematic <Yeah>. postings <laughs> of all the things that could be problematic and that the New York Times has called problematic in the past 10 years. Yeah, it can't yeah. do this one without quotes. So now the, you know, the general policies of the Third Reich may be considered problematic by some. These problematic postings last year when the issue was first raised and took actions, quote, to ensure he understood our concerns and could adhere to our standards. <laughs> the statement says that he has done so, done so and has delivered important and impartial work at great personal risk during this conflict. You know, they made him promise not to publicly praise the <laughs> I mean, Nazis. That's ludicrous. Well, and it, it's uh, ludicrous. Look, and it's also, a, again, no a, surprise, it's cowardly. Like, OK. They're scared. Some some might say he shouldn't lose his job over these views. Again, these are pretty extreme views, guys. If you're yeah. praising Hitler on the Twitter, that's pretty extreme. Maybe he was talking about the highway systems. And I, <laughs> and I think if you're covering the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and are also praising Hitler, perhaps there's a conflict of interest here and you're, you cannot be impartial and perhaps you should be videographing other things. Yeah. That's, <laughs> the uh, New York Times would like you to stay employed because this is not the gig. But he's he's still there. Again, as you mentioned, you compare to, as Barry Weiss uh, mentioned the other day as well, what happened after Tom Cotton's op-ed and how people lost their jobs. And yes. journalists were harmed. The words were harmful. It put them, it put them in danger. No, the weirdly, op-ed weirdly, put them in danger. Weirdly, no open letters from the young staffers at the New York Times about this guy, Emily Zanotti. Emily Zanotti, a friend of mine who's edited many places in the past, including Fox News and Daily Wire. And she noted that when on Twitter that she when she's spoken to the New York Times in the past about job opportunities, that they have been wary about her because she believes that life begins at conception. So pro-life off the table. This guy yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, yeah, no. The pro-life thing, the pro-life thing, is problematic without the quotation marks. Is <laughs> now, Mary Catherine, did you see what happened outside of GW's campus yesterday? Yeah, this one's pretty nasty. It is. There, is, I assume they are student activists. That's what I assume. Yeah. Used one of those giant building projectors where you can project mm-hmm. something onto the wall, the side of a large building. Messages in support of basically Hamas because there was. Glory to the martyrs. Glory to our martyrs. That one really got me. Yeah. And then, and the divest from the Zionists, right? Uh And something to that effect. And then I believe from river to the sea might've been the other one. Yeah. Pretty, pretty openly. On the side of the Gelman library, which is named after a Jewish woman. So it's, I mean, there's a lot of terrible ironies. There's layers layers here. I would also, again, just to point out how these institutions have stood up for free speech in the past, in the past two years, 
when actually when when Beijing was hosting the Olympics, George Washington University had an incident. All right. In which Badiou Chao, who's a really great Chinese dissident satirical cartoonist, there were students who put up posters criticizing the Chinese hosting the Beijing Olympics in the student center and really cool pieces of protest art that had sort of Olympic events, but portrayed with blood of the Chinese people on their hands and that kind of thing. The administration got wind of this by some quote, I'm going to put it in quote, offended students Mm -hmm. by the quote, Mm -hmm. problematic Mm -hmm. content of these protest posters and sent an apology to the students and said that he, this is the president, he, he found them offensive and he would make sure that they were removed as soon as possible. This is extremely mainstream yeah. political speech to go after an authoritarian government about its humanitarian yeah. record. And they wanted to apologize and clear those out immediately. He later had to backtrack because he was like, oh, oops, I guess free speech. He was, yeah, he had to backtrack because he was outed. You yes. know, I mean, the, the, their 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 convictions are it's totally mutable. And again, if you want to be really cynical about it, you know, I'm sure they get a lot of dollars from China. And you know, I maybe I'm wrong about that, but no, I you're correct. They much do. like China, China donates millions of do- donated millions of dollars to the University of Pennsylvania. You know, when after the Biden Center was open, so no, you know, they, you're correct. They do get a yeah. lot of money uh, from China. They're in a yeah. specific strategic alliance with them sure. for okay. academic stuff. By the way, my friend Guy Benson, who is a Northwestern alum and has been hounding them about their institutional response to all of this, they That's have right. a they have a Cutter campus. Oh yeah, of course, of course. And the Cutter yeah. campus is staffed by at least one guy who has been on media several times denying that these atrocities mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Cutter, Cutter, which is which hosts a lot of top ranking Hamas leaders. Yes. Yeah, the universities are in trouble, Vic. They're bad. They really, they really are. There was a large protest at MIT. I just saw that on the news as well. And and that one, they're yelling about one solution intifada, one solution intifada. Yeah, it's not good. Just just say final solution. Let's just cut to the chase. Yeah, cut to the chase. Let's just be honest about it. There's also a an alert from UC Berkeley where an Asian studies class was instructed that they could get extra credit for one students can attend the national student walkout tomorrow against the settler colonial occupation of Gaza. Info attached below. Or two students can watch a short documentary on Palestine and call or email your local. California representative using this link tree. They give you the link to email your representatives to do activism for lefty activism for your grade. And this is for Asian studies? It's Asian studies. Yeah, that's correct. What do you I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little clip of Ron DeSantis who has a has a take on oh, uh, yes. students yeah. who have been at these events and who have sort of crossed the line and been pro-Hamas instead of just pro-Palestine. Here's here's a clip of him talking about it. And I think what this terrorist attack in Israel has shown us is we're vulnerable from all the people that have come illegally because they have come from Iran too. It's not just Mexico, Central America, Russia, China, Middle East, all that stuff. But I think what we also saw when the blood wasn't even dry on the Israelis who had been massacred, you had people in America going out protesting in favor of Hamas. Yes. And that's like very chilling. Some of these people are not U.S. citizens. They're student visas. So as president, if you're on a student visa and you're a foreigner and you're out there celebrating terrorism, I'm canceling your visa and I'm sending you home. So taking student visas from students who outwardly support this terrorist organization, what do you think of this idea? Yeah, it's it, it's very tricky because I'm sympathetic to him. I understand that it's offensive if somebody were to say, I support Al-Qaeda, I support ISIS. You know, I mean, you, you want to say, no, get out of this country. This could be a, this could be a problem for us if you have enough people. And I think there are a lot of people who their 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 sympathies for the Palestinian people are expand to and include sympathies for Hamas. But now that we know that Hamas is not actually interested in governing and that they just want to kill it's been in their charter. It's not like it's a secret. We've always known this, but you you feel like you want to do something about them being in this country. But I, I, I feel like if DeSantis does this, I mean, he's going to face some enormous legal challenges and hurdles yep. re- regarding, you know, protected speech for visitors or, or, or non-visitors, you know, Americans or non-Americans, I should say. Yeah, because I think, like, look, I know that there's a we're allowed to say who can be in the country and who cannot. Yeah. I know the Biden administration declines to do any of that, but... <laughs> The, yeah. the the federal government is allowed to make those rules. 
But once people are here, they have First Amendment protections. Uh, So I think once you're engaging in speech on a college campus, even detestable Mm. speech while you're here, and we have let you in under the rules that we decided, then that becomes very tricky to lay the hammer down at that point. Perhaps is there a way to screen for such things when you are giving the student visas in the first place. And it's a little too late for that, as we can see now. Yes. Because it's Uh, successfully infiltrated in in academia and and, in certain certainly in parts of the, you know, the corporate sector, but, you know, and it's, it's students and it's professors. Yeah. So, but I don't, I don't know if this, if you want to take it strictly on, on a political terms, does, does, does this help DeSantis? Does this move the needle for him by taking this position? Do you think? It certainly doesn't he... hurt him. I think no. this is, yeah. this is a thing that on a gut level, you know, I'm, I'm going to say, well, you have legal protections and you have first amendment protections and I want to stay true to that. Normal normies are going to be yeah. like, nah, man. You come here and you talk, you talk about from the river to the sea and you endorse genocide and you, if you go too far, then we have the right to say you go home. And look, I I don't think that's a totally invalid take. And I think it's uh, definitely probably a common take among voters, certainly in the Republican. Yeah, they might not, they might not publicly admit that. But I mean, again, if you understand what from the river to the sea means, if you understand what intifada entails. Oh, by the way, have you seen the parsing of intifada this week? No, I haven't. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people on the Twitter saying, hey, intifada can mean several things. Okay. Oh, yeah. Much uh, like gender. Well, <laughs> I, I also think we had the term intifada sort of tested in the real world several times. And it was very clear what it meant. Yeah. And it yeah. involved a lot of yeah. blowing people up. Yeah. In the 90s and the, two, in the early 2000s. So. Yeah, that's part of it. Everybody was doing their part, as yeah. you know. But now um, we're now we're supposed to really be really sensitive about how intifada could be used and what these chants mean. <laughs> Speaking of DeSantis and earlier Trump, did you did you have thoughts on the latest fundraising totals that have have come through? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's third probably, quarter. Yeah, probably worth level setting. The third quarter is like not a great quarter for everyone be because qu- yeah, it's supposed um, to be a, a low one. August happens in there, and I think it's pretty just a pretty down month. But I'll read from the Wall Street Journal on the on the recent numbers. President Biden has established an early advantage over former President Donald Trump in their competing quest for campaign cash. Biden raised a combined 71 million with the Democratic National Committee during the past three months, his campaign said, surpassing Trump and other Republicans seeking the 2024 nomination. Here's a look at the biggest takeaways. So Biden's fundraising totals surpassed Trump for the second straight quarter. And the largest came during July, August, and September, typically more difficult times to raise money. So that seems like a good sign for him. He raised, like I said, $71 million, more than double Trump's $35 million during that quarter. And remember with Trump that 32 of that is going to go to legal fees. I was going to so, say, I have it here in bold, legal fees. That's what I have in my notes, legal fees. <laughs> that definitely not all yeah. that money is going to yeah. the campaign. So they're feeling pretty good about that. Do you and, remember when this? Do you remember when the selling point for Trump was you don't have to give him money because he's a billionaire? <laughs> do you remember that? You know, you know the only thing that actually makes me think that Trump is not winning by the margins. Yeah, that the polls suggest right, is the, the way are... that he talks uh, about the race. Like a guy who's yeah, a guy who's winning by that much just shouldn't be tweeting mm-hmm. all the time that he needs all your money and he needs all these people yeah. out of the race. But I think that's. I guess they could just be yeah, knowing how fast they're running through money. That right. could be the- Yeah, the... no, no, no. I, I think that could be true. That's and the other thing is, I mean, you know, there are a lot of big, deep-pocketed conservative donors out there who are willing to give, but they're still they're, they're, they're still on the sidelines. They're, they're, they're sitting on the fence right now because even if they're not, many of them who are not fans of Trump, they're not giving to Trump, but they don't know who to give to at the moment. You know, and and they have these meetings. It's kind of like in succession where, you know, they have the big weekend and then and then the campaign will make the case, you know, to the donors, you know, Ken Griffin or whoever, and just say, here's why, you know, should give to me. But I don't I I get the sense that nobody's convinced. And and, and it's and it's true. You look at the, the primary numbers. Trump still dominates when everyone's talking about how Nikki Haley has taken the lead over DeSantis. Right. In the grand scheme of things, it's still it's still very small. I don't know if you looked at how much money everybody else is getting. So, like as you mentioned, uh, Biden cleaned up in the quarter with seventy one million, and then Trump with about half of that at thirty five million, and DeSantis and Nikki Haley significantly lower than that. Right. right? I mean, million for DeSantis, yeah. twelve million, or slightly less for for Haley. 
Yes. So. And and they're scrambling for just, you know, all these, basically the, the, the chump change in the grand scheme of how much money is out there. I'll tell you what was most shocking to me looking at that chart. Asa Hutchinson raised $700,000. And I think that is a lot of money for Asa Hutchinson. Like who gave 700000 to Asa Hutchinson? Yeah. yeah. Man. I, I enjoyed this tidbit. Paying off a mortgage. A fundraising contest called, quote, Meet the Presidents, which promises the winner a chance to meet both Biden and former President Barack Obama raised nearly $2.5 million. Here's the the fun part. So-called Dark Brandon mugs depicting the Biden meme with red laser eyes produced nearly $2 million in revenue since August. So I love the fact that America America is funding this this campaign at only $500,000 less with Brandon, dark Brandon mugs yes. versus meeting the former president of the yeah. United States. Yeah. This is who we are as a people. That's that's right. That's right. I that's mean, why you know. Mike Collins is my my favorite representative. We're just a meme people. That's who we it are. Is thoroughly depressing. Did you want to talk, Mary Catherine, about the housing market or no? Is that a is that thing for today? We can. Okay, let's you want Well, while the presidential candidates are hoping that their money goes as far as they can make it go. Buying ads and such. American homeowners, different story, Vic. Yeah. Different story. This is from NBC News. A tough market for home buyers keeps getting tougher as the combination of rising prices and climbing mortgage rates makes it even harder to afford a home. New data shows people are still buying homes, but about 4 million are on track to sell this year. Rising mortgage rates and the shortage of homes for sale, which feeds rising prices and bidding wars, has weakened homeowners' financial position. Your dollar, according to this data, goes half as far as it did at the end of 2020. That is pretty depressing. You know, it's funny. Kamala Harris is a Twitter. She tweeted out that she and Joe uh, oversaw, I believe, 14 million new jobs, more jobs created in one term than any other president in the history of America. And of course, people are saying, well, you know, when, when you lost that many jobs in the first place. Yeah, if you, you, if know, you order everyone by yeah, government yeah. decree to stay right. home and not work for right. six months, then yeah. But, but that is, but that, but the situation with the housing market is not a metric for Bidenomics. So they could talk no, about no, the no. jobs, but they cannot talk about housing. And, and uh, I don't even know how they can spin this to blame it on Republicans. I really don't at this. No, it's like what point. what what happened in twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah, What happened at the end of twenty twenty? I guess they could argue like, look, we weren't here until January of twenty twenty one. So probably That's it was right. it was all December of twenty twenty that the bad. But, yeah, happened. but we're talking about the it's the worst environment since like two thousand nine. Yeah, and there are people. I mean, just nobody's going to leave because if you're if you have a, a mortgage rate of like two point six eight, which right. is insanely good. You know, you have to go into a new house, and suddenly your 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 mortgage rate is seven point six. No one's going to do that, so nobody's going to leave. If nobody's selling, then everybody's stuck where they are, including renters. You know, I mean, this is this is what we're dealing with. We have a much bigger family, but we're yeah. not upgrading. No, because we can fit where we are, and if we try to go moving and buying mm-hmm. something else, we're going to get much less for our money yeah, than I'm, we currently I'm- have. I'm trying to think there's got to be a bargain in here somewhere for somebody. Somebody's got to make out like that. Just it's not me, but I'm just trying to figure out who it is. Who's going to benefit? You know, I mean, will ha- housing prices as a result go down because it slows down or they just not yeah. decide not to put it on the market? I don't know. I don't know, not but it's, okay. it's tough out there. Yeah, it's tough yeah, out there. It is. It is. All right. Okay. We have one. We have one more story. This is an That's important it. one, Vic. Yep. How often do you think you should wash your jeans? I actually asked this question to a gene expert named Jonathan Last. He had, I'm not a gene person. Let me just, let me just preface this by saying. That's I'm true. Not, you don't usually wear jeans. I, no. And in fact, uh, a colleague of mine, Tim Rice, laughed that I only had one pair. But I said, number one, I'm old. I'm old. Number two, when I do wear jeans, even Kate will say, oh, that's a new look for you wearing jeans. Okay. But I do have one pair of jeans. It was a gift that uh, Jonathan had given to me and Sonny Bunch. Prana, which was his big favorite brand, yes. Prana. I, and I think they're very expensive. And I actually like those jeans. They have, not that I know much about jeans, but they have a gusseted crotch, deep pockets. And, that sounds vaguely dirty, but I won't inquire you know, further. I know, but it really is. It gives you, so it's a lot of room. 
but they're not so it's it's roomy but they're not dad jeans that's the key right they're not obama's jeans when he's throwing out the first pitch okay he really so, did not have good denim game it was no not, no it was, it was that dad bluish color too the one that is again yeah. like 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 a mom so i would i asked Jonathan, and i believe he was like i don't know once twice a year maybe so i mean i don't i don't actually well i don't wash in, in my house anyway that's somebody else's that's kate's department but maybe <laughs> once or twice i think it's i think it's yeah. within the, it's in the same department as sending your tuxes or suits to the dry cleaners yes. it's, not, it's not supposed to be often mary Catherine, you're more of a jeans person you got you oh got gosh, your, you so got, many you got pairs of jeans you have are all your jeans the torn jeans or you have different styles i have torn jeans i have intact jeans i have i have cropped jeans i have high-waisted jeans. jeans i have stretchy jeans i have hard jeans i have some leftover skinny jeans in case those come back into style and then I have, I I'm in an emergency situation. Yeah, they're they're completely cycled out at this Do point. Do you wash them? Yes, but I have I have a system. There's there's one or two wearings, and then they get draped in a different chair in. Oh yeah. No, I do that as well. You air then, it out. You air yeah. it out. Air is a great way to clean clothes. And I think you can go three wearings, four wearings with jeans without washing. I don't always do that because I have a rotation. You know, I got a so lot of... saying is like after 20, 20 is a good time to... Go that far because here's the problem. Mm -hmm. If you go more than three wearings, your butt's not going to look good because they're going to be real loose. And oh. you don't you don't need that oh. in your life. Oh, yeah. Because when you get when you get your clothes back, particularly jeans, that's true. When you get them back after a wash, they're tighter. That's well, and tight. sometimes they're a little too tight, you know, and you can blame that on the dryer or you could blame it on your December diet. I what don't know the, which one it is. And we're and we're bringing this up because it was in the news, right? It and was. And, and, and what was the expert's opinion on this? OK, so I like this story. It's a Fox News lifestyle story. Mm -hmm. How often should you wash your jeans? Cleaning experts settle the debate and they they settled on basically like you can go three to ten wearings. So oh, okay. is, well, right up my alley. 10's quite a lot for me. Mm -hmm. But again, that's mostly because they lose shape. And I, I enjoy this advice because it's very. Yeah, that doesn't matter, I think, as much to me, I think. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure that people really needed this advice. Mm -hmm. But the advice is like, hey, if they smell or have dirt on them, you should clean them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> mentioned that in the piece, right? Oh, if you spilled yeah. sauce on it. Yeah, like spaghetti sauce, probably yeah. time for a, wa yeah. a wash if they smell. Also, I don't really understand why people have such smelly jeans. I guess if they're, if, look, if you're using your jeans for real cowboy stuff. Yeah, I was going to say if you're on, uh, lassoing. Yes, obviously know. they're going to be smelly. Yeah. If you're yeah. at a campfire, yeah. I think you should uh -huh. wash your jeans. An another thing that they went through, like, wash your jeans at the proper temperature, oh. which is, hey, are you ready for this? Yeah. Cool. If they If they smell, oh. wash them hot. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Because it'll get more out of them. And cooler temperature is okay if you if they don't have a lot of stains mm. or smells. And then, you know, you want to spot spot clean them. Drying jeans, they suggested hanging them up. But the, here's a, here's another one for, for folks who apparently... I would do that. I think that's correct. Here's another one tip for people who, like, have were just born. Don't put damp jeans in the closet because it could develop a musty smell. Oh, my gosh. But here's the thing. You know what? This is funny, Mary Catherine. From time to time, I will come across a young person, mm -hmm. not saying who or where, and that smell is unmistakable. It's moldy. Oh, and yeah. No, I'm like, very... In, we have, my, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, well, do they notice? Don't they... Can't they smell that they're musty? So we have... Because it's so strong. So we have this the thing in our house, obviously, because we're busy and we have four children, sure. where stuff gets left in the washing machine for too long, oh. and then someone will flip it. Yeah. And if yeah. you don't inspect it before you flip it it might oh. have a smell right i gotta tell you most people in my family don't notice that smell but i do we and have so more, like maybe that's it maybe yeah they'll dump sensitive. they'll dump a dry load of laundry thank you family for me to mm -hmm. fold and oh. the the smell's coming off it i'm gotta like this is back in the dryer it's gotta go again guys we yeah. gotta start from the beginning yeah. do yeah. the whole process again yeah. but yeah maybe look colleges don't teach anything but colonialism yeah and oppression they do. so a lot of people have probably missed this stuff. So I'm glad that Fox News is on it. And now you know, don't put your wet jeans in the closet. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> that wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. 
You can follow me on Twitter at Victory Nomadis. You know what? Correction, actually. I'm going up to Jersey this weekend, Mary Catherine, and I'm going to find my other. I, I said one pair. I have another pair of jeans. They're like guest jeans. Nice. And I think they're, they're a little bit, what do you call them? Bleached? What's the word I'm looking oh, for? Oh, acid washed. Yeah, like yeah. Stone washed -washed jeans? Yeah, yeah. I got the stone washed uh, guest jeans. I'll, I'll bring them out. Oh my gosh, this is from your Bon Jovi days. I like it. Yeah. Okay, a couple things I forgot to mention. I was on a podcast called Ask a Jew this week with two women, one a secular Jew who's in Tel Aviv mm -hmm. right now and a and a, an observant Jew who lives in, in Southern California. And they just talked to various guests. So we had to talk about my time in Israel oh, and great. grief and all these things. Yeah. We did that interview the day before the massacre. Oh my God. So they couldn't release the podcast until we did an update to our discussion. Yeah. Uh, but both parts are, are good. These women are uh, very interesting women who obviously have a really important perspective on this time. So if you want to check that out. And then I also want to, on a sad note, a friend of mine, mostly from Twitter and a, a oh, guy yes, you know mine as, well, as well, Nathan Wurzel passed away yesterday suddenly. And he was just a really good guy. He was a Republican consultant to various offices and campaigns yeah. over the years, including, by the way, Colonel Mannion, who is the father of Travis Mannion of the Mannion Foundation, yeah. ran yeah. in 2008, and he helped with that campaign. So he knew those guys. Just an honest, smart person whose judgment I trusted, who I interacted with on Twitter at least several times a week over the last 10, 12 years. I will miss talking to him. He, he was he, very thought. He was very thoughtful and uh, and from my hometown, or at least he spent some years in his youth in Tom's River. So we knew yes. all the same places. Yeah, a Jersey guy, and also a a, a proud, fierce advocate for the Jewish people. Yes. And the last thing he tweeted about and penned was a fundraiser for one of the kibbutzes or kibbutzim. So I, in tribute to him, I put on my Twitter feed, maybe maybe we could uh, throw that campaign some money because it's yeah. for a bunch of people who are now refugees within their own country and have lost everything, everything they have. He will be missed. He's a person whose voice I would love to have in this fight right now. So maybe may his memory be a blessing to everyone. We're, we're losing too many good people. So sorry to, to end on that sad note, but I wanted to, uh, to lift him up and his family up. So I think that's it for today, Vic. Right. Thanks for getting hammered responsibly, everybody. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast.